Okay, welcome everyone. Studying Visuddhi Manga again. We are. We're on page 102, section 97. What she said. And Aurora, could you start us off? Um, yes, I can. What suits one of what kind of temperament? A suitable lodging for one of greedy temperament has an unwashed sill and stands level with the ground, and it can be either an overhanging rock with an unprepared drip ledge, a grass hut or a leaf house, etc. It ought to be spattered with dirt full of bats, dilapidated, too high or too low, in bleak surroundings, threatened by lions, tigers, etc., with a muddy, uneven path, where even the bed and the chair are full of bugs, and it should be ugly and unsightly. Exciting clothing as soon as over as soon as looked at. Suitable inner and outer garments and those that have torn off edges with threads hanging down all round like a net cake. Harsh to be touched like hemp, soiled heavy and hard to wear. And the right kind of bowl for him is an ugly clay bowl disfigured by stopping and joints, or a heavy and mishappen iron bowl as unappetizing as a skull. The right kind of road for him, on which the wonderful alms is disagreeable, with no village near and uneven. The right kind of village for him, in which the wonderful alms is where people wander about, as if oblivious of him, whereas he is about to leave without getting alms, even from a single family. People call him into the sitting hall, saying, Come, venerable sir, and give him gruel and rice, but do so as casually as if they were putting a cow in a pen. Suitable people to serve him are slaves and workmen who are unsightly, ill-favored, with dirty clothes, ill-smelling and disgusting, who serve him his gruel and rice as if they were throwing it rudely at him. The right kind of gruel and rice are hard, but is poor, unsightly, made up of millet, kudusaka, broken rice, etc., stale buttermilk, sour gruel, curry of all vegetables, or anything at all that is merely for filling the stomach. The right kind of posture for him is either standing or walking. The object of his contemplation should be any, any of the color casinos beginning with the blue whose color is not pure. This is what suits one of greedy temperament. So yeah, the idea is to torture the one with greedy temperament. He just went through talking about how great, how awesome the person of greedy temperament is, how they do everything right, and now you got to torture them for it. Oh. Yeah, that sounds really cruel. <laughs> That's interesting, and it, it seems reasonable that it should work, because the greedy temperament is full of confidence in themselves and thinks they're doing everything right because they're so happy about everything, so yeah have to keep them miserable so they can see that actually their happiness is completely dependent on getting what they want. And any time they don't get what they want, they're unhappy. You have to show that, make them not get what they want. Now, you see, the opposite should be true for one of hating temperament because you have to uh, calm their minds. You have to give them uh, a sense of calm that, uh, interestingly enough, it seems you can't really give to the one of greedy temperament. You instead have to shake them up because they're too complacent. 
A suitable resting place for one of hating temperament is not too high or too low, provided with the shade and water, with well-proportioned walls, posts and steps, with one prepared frieze work and lattice work, brightened with various kinds of painting, with an even, smooth, soft floor, adorned with festoons of flowers and a canopy of many-colored clothes, like a Brahma god's divine palace, with bed and chair covered with well-spread, clean, pretty covers, smelling sweetly of flowers and perfumes, a scent and scents set about for homely comfort, which makes one happy and glad at the mere sight of it. Another thing to remember is this all has to do with samatha meditation. So the the talking about what's suitable, you have to remember the goal of the comment, the goal of the author here, the goal of the teacher, which should be to to calm the mind, not necessarily to bring about wisdom. The idea here yet isn't to bring about wisdom; it's to do whatever you can to. Calm the mind, and as you can see, for the case of the greedy temperament, meaning is to um, redirect the mind, so one is no longer inclined or uh, absorbed or obsessed with sensuality. So one of greedy temperament, if they get what they want, they're content with that, with the sensual pleasure. So when you take that away from them, the mind has to uh, incline elsewhere. And so it would be more open and inclined to enter into the jhanas, which is what we're ultimately aiming for in this chapter. Thank you, Bhante. Thank you. David, can you read 99? Hi, is my audio okay? Yeah, perfect. Okay. The right kind of road to his lodging is free from any sort of danger traverses clean, even ground, and has been properly prepared. And here it is best that the lodgings furnishings are not too many, in order to avoid hiding places for insects, bugs, snakes, and rats, even a single bed and chair only. The right kind of inner and outer garments for him are of any superior stuff, such as china cloth, samara cloth, silk, fine cotton, fine linen, of either single or double thickness, quite light and well dyed, quite pure in colour to befit an ascetic. The right kind of bowl is made of iron, as well shaped as a water bubble, as polished as a gem, spotless and of quite pure colour to befit an ascetic. The right kind of road on which to wander for arms is free from dangers, level, agreeable, with the village neither too far nor too near. The right kind of village in which to wander for arms is where people, thinking, now our Lord is coming, prepare a seat in a sprinkled, swept place, and going out to meet him, take his bowl, lead him to the house, seat him on a prepared seat, and serve him carefully with their own hands. I thought monks couldn't wear silk. 
you thought wrong? I heard that the proper the proper things for monks to wear is just clothing from cast off rags. Is this just for hateful monks? No, you can wear a cast off silk rag or because it's not against the rules, someone can give you a silk robe. Silk robes are a little bit tough to wear. I mean, modern silk, I'm not sure if they had the kind of, what do we call that, polished silk or whatever it is. The slippery silk is very difficult to wear as a robe because there's no friction when you just wrap it around yourself. Uh, But the rough silk, I've never worn it, but I imagine it's okay. There are six kinds of fabric that one can use to make a robe, and silk is one of them. It's interesting because there's the silk, and if you want to get into it, the silk industry, I think, has a lot to do with killing. You don't have to kill the worms, do you, when you make silk? I'm not sure. Anyway, that's a whole other can of worms. I thought they do get killed because don't they boil them in the hot water to get the silk off? It's not the worms that the worms have produced it to make their nests, I think. I don't know how it works, but I know they eat, they normally eat the silk worms. Normally, they often eat the silk worms. I'd imagine a lot of bugs die when you make cotton too, because of the uh, cotton machinery. Yeah, I mean, if you're going for that kind of morality, then nothing is really moral anymore because everything we do is, has a lot to do with killing the other living beings. It's a good thing Buddhism doesn't subscribe to that kind of morality directly. I think it's the same vegetarian argument, Bhante. Yeah, I mean, you mean that even vegetarians are killing lots of stuff? No, I mean, uh, uh, some say monks shouldn't eat meat because it's a killed animal. Yeah, in so, which case they, you know, they have no leg to stand on because everything we do has to do with, well, lots of stuff has to do. Wearing cotton involves killing animals, mostly, unless you get some kind of special cotton. I mean, any farming, farming is an awful thing. Yeah, even um, even all vegetarian food, the um, machinery that is used to harvest vegetarian food often kills a lot of rodents. Oh yeah, and the pesticides or whatever you use to keep the bugs off. And it would be difficult for monks to not eat whatever the lay people give for alms round. So they have to kind of eat whatever is given, right? Well, yeah, but that's not really an argument because you can't argue um, if it's immoral. You, you, you can't... There's no excuse. You know, you should not use it if it's immoral to use it. But it's not immoral. Immorality is in one's own mind. So, anyway, we're, we're well. We can get off track. It's not a problem. But yeah, I think uh, the, the the important point is that it's not immoral. Now, I think I think the original question was here was the raising of the eyebrows in regards to how luxurious it seems to use silk, but I don't know that that is necessarily the case. I don't know how why silk is more luxurious than cotton. I guess maybe it's harder to make, but um, 
I think we we use a lot of synthetics that weren't around in the time of the Buddha, and so probably I don't know. I guess that silk would have been a viable wool, silk, linen, uh, and what else is there? Wool, silk, linen. Right. <laughs> wool, silk, linen, cotton. One more. Hemp. Hemp, maybe the fifth. And then the sixth is a mixture of the first five. Felt? What is felt? Is that wool? Felt is a type of wool. Yeah, so it's under wool. Yeah, I remember you answered that on Buddhism Stack Exchange at one point. You you explain the different fabrics, so it's it's there definitely. If somebody's interested in looking it up, it's on a Buddhism SE. Um, yeah, I remember could... him as well. What was that, Sanka? Yeah, I remember him. Him plant is uh, is the ganja plant, right? Him is ganja, right? Yes, it is. Hemp is what is marijuana? Did you say ganja? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the uh, yeah, it's related to it. It's, it's uh, related. It's not actually. It's it has no THC in it. Although I wonder, in the Buddhist time, did it have THC when they wore it? They're smoking their robes. <laughs> you can't get high on hemp. It's the female flowers that's stated as the actual drug. Right, but it's the same plant. It's the same plant. So, so ostensibly, monks were in olden times. They were wearing marijuana. Well, I think it's the 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 plant, right? Not the the leaves. The leaves are what you smoke, and the the plant is what the hemp is made from. If I understood correctly, the hemp is made from the stalks. Um, the leaves are actually edible, but you can't get high off the leaves. The only thing you get high off is the flowers. Wait, so marijuana leaves are, are, are not intoxicating? No, not at all. It's only the flowers. Huh, I learned something new. I did too. That, that marijuana okay, I remember, leaf. Yeah, I remember according to Vinaya, monks are allowed to smoke if it is in a cold uh, climate. No, no, that's not true. Monks are allowed to use smoke as a medicine, certain types of medicine involves smoke but there's nothing to do with whether you're in a cold environment i'm pretty sure okay thank you glenn can you read uh 100 for us suitable people to serve him are handsome pleasing well bathed well anointed scented with the perfume of incense and the smell of flowers adorned with apparel made of various dyed, clean, pretty cloth, who do the work carefully. The right kind of gruel, rice, and hard food has color, smell, and taste, possessive, possesses nutritive essence, and is inviting, superior in every way, and enough for his wants. The right kind of posture for him is lying down or sitting. The object of his contemplation should be any one of the color casinas, beginning with the blue, whose color is quite pure. This is what suits one of hating temperament. Now, Norm, you, you, this should raise some eyebrows, I think, because a lot of this is precisely what the Buddha 
uh, warns us uh, away from, right? But I imagine everyone can uh, think of someone, you know, and you come across these people who are of hating temperament. They don't want or like anything. And so uh, there's no danger of them becoming attached to these sorts of things. They just can't find anything to hate, which is what they want to do. So you, you know, and this again, this is for samatha. This isn't for vipassana. The, these character types don't apply. So the point here is, when a person of hating temperament can't find anything to complain about, their mind starts to calm down. They don't obsess so much. The kind of person who you can't argue with them, you can't reason with them. You just have to placate them. And once they don't have anything to complain about, they'll start to let go of it. That's the idea. Kind of like reverse It seems like setting up... I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Okay, it seems like setting up these... Like setting up this condition for someone of hitting temperament seems like a lot of trouble. Like I always figured that the person that's suitable for giving to a monk is anyone who wants to give to a monk... And that to say, oh, you should give to this hand, this person's handsome, so we should give to that monk. This person is not handsome, so we should give to that monk. There just seems to be a lot of trouble with that. Well, it's up to you how much trouble you're going to take, but a teacher can direct in this direction. The point is, when a teacher works with one of these people, they would be clever in terms of saying, okay, you go stay in this kuti, and he knows it's, the roof is leaking, or you go and stay in this kuti because he knows that it's quite a nice kuti, and so it's something that's going to help that person. That is smart. You don't have to take trouble. I mean, there's often, it's just clear you can put a person in that direction. And this kind of thing, you know, it could be useful in certain cases, even for vipassana, because you don't want meditators freaking out. So you, you have to do your best. Interesting, in in, in a meditation center, more dealing with vipassana where you're not uh, and you can see the difference because it, what you're saying is is there's a good point there that uh, samatha has a lot more to do with control and even the magical powers all, all of this, a lot in this chapter still has a lot to do with trying to control the mind and so you find that in those types of meditation centers as well, it's a very controlled environment whereas with vipassana the meditation centers are kind of interesting just watching how it all works out you don't don't really have much control over where the meditators go everything is just wild and crazy and meditators get put in the weirdest locations and have the strangest things happen to them and it's all very impermanent suffering and non-self uh and so you basically very little control over these sorts of things and you just watch and stop trying to control the center as well So there's different centers for practicing shamatha and vipassana. I always learned that uh, shamatha and vipassana were um, kind of like two feet, where shamatha makes things calm, vipassana allows you to see why things aren't calm and allows things to calm down even more. And uh, it's kind of strange to hear that you have whole different centers for the practice of both. Well, there's different, because there's, the Buddha gave different, Options, he said. Sometimes someone practices samatha first, and then vipassana. Someone sometimes someone practices vipassana first and then samatha. Sometimes someone practices both together. Uh, but yeah, certainly. I mean, there are different. There are different centers based on different traditions, and some 
centers focus on vipassana and some centers have a more broad approach uh, including a lot of samatha practice before practicing vipassana the meditation so so a lot of people have problems with the visuddhimagga some people have problems with the visuddhimagga because it breaks the it very much breaks the practice up this whole section you're going to see very little to do with the development of insight he really wants to go into sometimes excruciatingly minute detail about uh, the development of all of concentration in all its aspects you you might wind up at the end of this chapter thinking well that was really unnecessary you know most of that is unnecessary why aren't we you know when are we going to get to actually buddhism and 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 wisdom but remember this is a manual it's a reference manual for in many respects so it's got everything in it we're going through the manual you're not if you're here to learn how to practice well there's lots and lots of um different practices in here and you're not going to get a clear picture of a certain practice you're going to get the idea of all the different types of practices we're really going through everything including magical powers that comes in at the end of this section i kind of like this chapter so far it's kind of colorful <laughs> this whole this whole section section 2 is just easy and fun but i think some people are going to come out and say well that was kind of a waste of my time if so you can you know leave us and come back when we get to the wisdom section if we end up getting there but uh this is this is one way of looking at the path and it may look unfamiliar to those people who are accustomed to practicing what they call samatha and vipassana together or those people who are accustomed to simply practicing vipassana and uh, concerning themselves about concentration later on uh through the practice or when one approaches nibbana like in my tradition definitely interesting background um, bonte the uh, color casinas reminds me of a section from your uh, meditation for children's uh, series but i'm wondering what accounts for the difference in um saying that blue using the blue casina for the greedy temperament is not pure but the blue casina for the hating temperament is quite pure it's interesting i'm i'm suspicious because um the casino should be pure in order to enter into the jhanas but there's a valid point there i'm assuming it just means an ugly color you know with some stains in it and splotched and you know not a not a uh, not the same color so different shades of blue and and just ugly looking you know poorly dyed kind of thing or with dirt on it all of that could potentially get in the way of entering into the jhanas but i think not exactly it's because in the end all of that disappears anyway and all you know is blue but in the beginning i think it could be useful if a greedy one of greedy temperament gets a nice looking piece of cloth um to make their casino out of then they could be attached to the beauty of it this is such a beautiful cloth etc etc and they lose sight of the color blue whereas if it's ugly they'll think this is a piece of garbage and they won't be attracted to it at all and they'll just focus on the utilitarian value of it yeah that thank you jay rios are you able to read 101 
Sure. Uh, the right lodging for one of deluded temperament has a view and is not shut in where the four quarters are veil, uh, excuse me, visible to him as he sits there. As to the postures, walking is right. Uh, the right kind of object for his contemplation is not small. That is to say, the size of a winnowing basket or the size of a saucer. For his mind becomes more confused in a confined space. So the right kind is an amply large casina. The rest is as stated for one of hating temperament. This is what suits one of deluded temperament. Thank you. Max, can you read 102? Maybe Max doesn't have a, a microphone right now. That's okay. MP, can you read 102? Yeah, sure. For one of faithful temperament, all the directions given for one of hating temperament are suitable. As to the object of his contemplation, one of the recollections is right as well. For one of intelligent temperament, there's nothing unsuitable as far as concerns the lodging and so on. For one of speculative temperament, an open lodging with a view, where gardens, groves, and ponds, pleasant prospects, panoramas of villages, towns, and countryside, and the blue gleam of mountains are visible to him as he sits there, is not right. For that is a condition for the running hither and thither of applied thought. So we should live lodgings such as a deep cavern, screened by woods, like the overhanging rock of the elephant's belly, or a Mahindra's cave. Also, an ample-sized object of contemplation is not suitable for him, for one like that is a condition for the running hither and thither of applied thought. A small one is right. The rest is stated for one of pretty temperament. This is what suits one of speculative temperament. These are the details with definition of the kind, source, recognition, and what is suitable as regards the various temperaments handed down here with the words that suits his own temperament. However, the meditation subject that is suitable to the temperament has not been clean, cleared up in all aspects yet. This will become clear automatically when those in the following list are treated in detail. Now it was said above, and he should apprehend from among the 40 meditation subjects, one that suits his own temperament. Here the exposition of the meditation subject should be first understood in these 10 ways. 1. As to enumeration. 2. As to which brings only access and which absorption. 3. As to the kinds of jhana. 4. As to the sur surmounting. 5. As to the extension and non-extension. 6. As to object. 7. As to plane. 8. As to apprehending. 9. As to condition. 10. As to suitability to the temperament. Again, this is a table of contents. This is what he's now going to talk about. Don't worry too much about exactly what he means there, because now he's going to just talk about these ten things for, I think, the rest of the section. Herein as to enumeration, it was said above, from among the forty meditation subjects, herein the forty meditation subjects are these, ten casinas, uh, totalities, Ten kinds of foulness, ten recollections, four divine abidings, four immaterial states, one 
one perception, one one defining. These forty meditation subjects are the forty samatam meditation subjects, uh, meaning almost all of them are conceptual. Uh, two of them, at least, two of them can be considered ultimate reality. One of them for sure deals with ultimate realities, which actually kind of, it's an odd one because it shouldn't. It should be a concept. And that's mindfulness of the Buddha, I think. Uh, I'm not sure about Dhamma or Sangha either. It's interesting. But mindfulness of the Buddha, one would think, would be just thinking about the Buddha, but no... It says it's thinking about specific mental qualities, and because those mental qualities are ultimate realities, it's interesting as to whether it could actually be considered samatha. And that's where you get into this idea of something being samatha and vipassana, but it's a little bit complicated. I think those refers to uh, refer to 73 knowledges of the Buddha, right, Mante? Uh, contemplation of the Buddha, Buddha Anusati. Yeah, it's mostly the qualities of the Buddha. Itibiso, Bhagavad, Hang, Samma, Sambuddha, and so on. Okay. Uh, what about these last two? Uh, perception defining? I'm not sure what those are. Well, you'll have to read on. Uh, perception is perception of the foulness in food. And defining is the four elements. Thank you. Ahare Patikula Sanya and Datu Vivatana Kamata. Thank you, Bhante. Can you read 105? Herein the ten casinas are these Earth Casina, Water Casina, Fire Casina, Air Casina, Blue Casina, Yellow Casina, Red Casina, White Casina, Light Casina, and Limited Space Casina. The ten kinds of foulness are these, the blow, the livid, the festering, the cut up, the nod, the scattered, the hacked and scattered, the bleeding, the worm infested, and the skeleton. The ten kinds of recollection are these, recollection of the Buddha, the enlightened one, recollection of the Dhamma, the law, recollection of the Sangha, the community, recollection of virtue, Recollection of generosity, recollection of deities, recollection or mindfulness of death, mindfulness occupied with the body, mindfulness of breathing, and recollection of peace. The four divine abidings are these, loving kindness, compassion, gladness, and equanimity. The four immaterial states are these, the base consisting of boundless space, the base consisting of boundless consciousness, the base consisting of nothingness, and the base consisting of neither perception nor non-perception. The one perception is the perception of repulsiveness and nutriment. The one defining is the defining of the four elements. This is how the exposition should be understood as to enumeration. Thank you. Aurora, can you read 106? Um, yes. As to which brings access only and which brings absorption, eight recollections, accepting mindfulness, occupied with the body and mindfulness of breathing, the perception of repulsiveness and nutriment, 
and the defining of the four elements are 10 meditation subjects that bring access only. The others bring absorption. This is as to which brings access only and which brings absorption. As to the kind of jhana among those that brings absorption, the 10 kasinas, kasinas together with mindfulness of breathing bring all four jhana, jhanas, uh, the 10 kinds of foulness together with mindfulness occupied with the body bring the first jhana. The first three divine abidings brings three jhanas. The fourth divine abiding is and the fourth immaterial states bring the fourth jhana. This is as to the kind of jhana. Four, as to surmounting. There are two kinds of surmounting. That is to say, surmounting of factors and surmounting of object. Herein, there is surmounting of factors in the case of all meditation subjects that bring three and four jhanas, because the second jhana, etc., have to be reached in those same objects by surmounting the jhana factors of applied thought and sustained thought, and so on. Likewise, in the case of the fourth divine abiding, for that has to be reached by surmounting joy in the same object as that of loving-kindness, and so on. But in the case of the four immaterial states, there is surmounting of the object. For the base consisting of boundless space has to be reached by surmounting one or other of the first nine casinas. And the base consisting of boundless consciousness, etc., have respectively to be reached by surmounting space, and so on. With the rest, there is no surmounting. This is as to surmounting. Okay, a little bit of, let's just give a little bit of background for people in case some of this isn't, not some of this, but in case some of the concepts here are unfamiliar. First, the jhanas, four or fivefold. I, we may have discussed this already, but um, the, the first jhana has applied and sustained thought, uh, excitement or rapture, happiness and one-pointedness. The second jhana and the third jhana, respectfully, in the Abhidhamma uh, enumeration, remove the... Let's do, let's do just the four jhanas, because that, I think, is what he's taught, the way he's, he's using four here, right? So the second jhana, you get rid of applied and sustained thought. The third jhana, you get rid of rapture or excitement, or whatever you call it. And the fourth jhana... Uh, it converts joy or happiness becomes equanimity. So that's why the fourth Brahmavihara, which is the equanimity one, uh, brings about the fourth jhana because it doesn't have any joy, so it couldn't ever bring about the first three jhanas. The second thing is about the immaterial states. The immaterial states, as we'll, we will read about later, but just to give you some preview, you you use a certain object. The way to enter into the material states, according to this text, is en is using some other meditation practice first, and then expanding it. And that's what he's going to say here in this next paragraph. You extend the object until it's infinitely large, 
and you just have a sense of it being infinite. And then you take that sense of, of the occupation of infinite space and that becomes the means of entering into the jhana, which is the sphere of uh, of infinite space. And, and then it goes on and on from there. I think that's it. Thank you, Bhante. Glenn, could you read 109? Am I the only one who can't hear him? I can't hear either. Glenn, are yeah, you I able to hear either? Oh, sorry, I had my microphone off. As to extension and non-extension, only the 10 casinas among these 40 meditation subjects need be extended. For it is within just so much space as one is intent upon with a casina that one can hear sounds with a divine ear element, see visible objects with a divine eye, and know the minds of other beings with the mind. Mindfulness occupied with the body and the ten kinds of foulness need not be extended. Why? Uh, because they have a definite location and because there is no benefit in it. The definiteness of their location will become clear in explaining the method of development. If the latter are extended, it is only a quantity of corpses that is extended and there is no benefit. And this is said in answer to the question of Sopaka. Perception of visible forms is quite clear, blessed one. Perception of bones is not clear, uh, a source untraced. For here the perception of visible forms is called quite clear in the sense of extension of the sign, while the perception of bones is called not quite clear in the sense of its non-extension. So the meaning here that... Um... For the casinas, you you extend them either, as I said, for to make them infinite. You also have to extend them to encompass a specific object, because the the element casinas are used for magic, lots of magical powers. Uh, there was, and also the color casinas. Apparently, there's this monk, this Thai monk in California, who apparently uses the white casina to find people's illnesses. It, it's a huge, it's a controversy, and I'm totally against it. But he, he's very good at finding people's illnesses, and he uses apparently the white casina to do it. So the casinas, you have to apply them to the specific uh, object. So if it's to 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 suppose you want to walk through a wall, then you would enter into the air casina and apply it to the wall, and you'd walk through the wall as though it were air. That kind of thing. Thank you. MP, can you read 111? Yeah, sure. But the words, I was intent upon this whole earth, the perception of a skeleton, are said of the manner of appearance to one who has acquired that perception. For just as in the emperor... Damasoka's time, the Karik Wika bird uttered a sweet song 
when it saw its own reflection in the looking glass wall all around and perceived Karivikas in every direction. So the elder, Singalar Pitar, thought when he saw the sign of turning in all directions through his acquisition of the perception of a skeleton, that the whole earth was covered in bones. If that is so, then is what is called the measurelessness of the object of jhana produced on foulness contradicted? It is not contradicted. For one man apprehends the sign of a large bloated corpse or skeleton, another one in a small one. In this way, the jhana of the one has a limited object and of the other a measurelessness object. Or alternatively, with a measurelessness object is said of referring to one who extends it, seeing no disadvantage in doing so. But it need not be extended because no benefit results. The result need not be extended likewise. Why, when a man extends the sign of inbreeds and outbreeds, only a quantity of wind is only a quantity of wind is extended, and it has a definite location, the nose tip. So it need not be extended because of the disadvantage and because of the definiteness of the location, and the divine abiding abidings have living beings as their object. When a man extends the sign of this, only the quantity of living beings would be extended, and there is no purpose in that. So, so that also need not be extended. So, is he saying essentially that uh, if we meditate on uh, the corpse or a hundred corpses, it has the same result, or uh, something of another object of the of a similar? I believe that is what he's saying. I, I, I mean, it seems reasonable that there's some benefit to contemplating lots of corpses, but I don't think in the sense of cultivating jhana or, or meditative absorption. Obviously, the whole thing about the earth being covered with bones, it's a neat insight, and it's something that is very can prof- profoundly change you, but it's not uh, useful technically for the attainment of jhana. You're trying to become absorbed in the object or completely fixed on the object. So whether it's one corpse or ten corpses, it doesn't ultimately help you. What about with the divine abidings? Because isn't one of the ways you practice divine abidings to spread goodwill towards yourself, to others, and to constantly spread it to more and more people? He's saying here that that's useless. He's not saying it's useless. He's saying it's it's. I don't think exactly, but he's he, he's saying it's not useful for the attainment of jhana. In the end, the jhana, or the divine abidings, abidings is the sense of love, uh, and the so the for, for the attainment of jhana, there's no um, there's no sensible benefit to what whether one is focusing on a single individual or focusing on lots and lots. The way we the way we normally practice metta is not to enter into the jhanas. So it's going to be a little bit different when you actually read the section here on the, the practice of the four divine abidings. It's a very technical sort of practice designed to give you a, a jhana. So there's there's no benefit to extending, but you could just as easily practice 
focused on on limitless. I mean, suppose you focused on all beings and took that as the basis of jhana. Well, you don't have to extend that. You can just take that and you get the same result. You can do the same thing and accomplish the same thing focused on a single individual. I don't. I mean, this isn't terribly familiar material to me, but uh, I'm, I'm assuming that that's basically what he's talking about. So, in the beginning, there's a benefit to fooling around with you know one being or lots of beings. I think another thing he's saying is that it's not really considered extending because the object is still a being. You know, you're not you're not extending the beings, or you're not making the beings larger. Uh, it's it's like uh, the casino gets bigger when you extend it. Uh, the mindfulness or love, for example, metta doesn't get bigger. It's the quantity that increases, not the size. So I, I think that's why he objects here to that. You don't actually Im- increase it. And that you you don't have to go from one being to lots of beings to get to the jhanas. You, stick, you can accomplish it for many of them. It's not really extending is what he's saying. Thank you. Bhante, can you read 114? When it is said, intent upon one quarter with his heart endued with loving kindness, etc., that is said for the sake of comprehensive inclusion. For it is when a man develops it progressively by including living beings in one direction, by one house, by two houses, etc., that he is said to be intent upon one direction, not when he extends the sign. And there is no counterpart sign here that he might extend so yeah basically saying that it's not extension based on what he's talking about that and moving from one group to another group isn't any sort of extension it's just moving or including or that kind of thing so that you don't get caught up thinking about someone who you're not in love with or or friendly towards move from one group to another so to make sure that you don't get blindsided by someone who you suddenly feel hatred for or so on. Uh, Also the state of having a limited or measureless object can be understood here according to the way of inclusion too. No idea what he means there. What does he mean by sign? Sorry, uh, what does he mean by sign? Is that like a translation of tama or tama? No, it's a translation of nimitta which is some people find controversial as well, but the theory in in here is that there is this sign that comes. The the practice sign is is whatever object you're using. When you close your eyes and you still see blue, that's the uh, what's it called? The training nimitta. What's it called? Patipati nimitta or something. Uh, and then when you focus on it enough, eventually it gets replaced by a pure concept or a pure representation of the color so it's no longer the actual object blue that you were looking at it's now just a pure bright perfect blue uh, and that's the counter part sign it's called patibhaga nimitta it's what comes when you actually enter into the jhanas it's it's removed from the actual object because now it's simply blue and so they apply that to various different meditations including Strangely enough, Anapanasati, which is, I think, where a lot of the controversy stems from, because a lot of people like Anapanasati and don't 
understand what he's talking about when he starts to say that you have to see some light at the end and actually seems you get into what we call what we would think of as casino meditation but anyway it's a uh, the thing you have to one thing you have to know about this text is it doesn't it, this isn't you know canon you don't have to practice or see things the way this text tells you to see things it's useful and helpful and it works better than any other text out there as far as i can as far as i know but some of the things here you could say well that's not how i do it or that's not how i see it which is fine it's not necessarily in all cases telling you that this is how you have to see meditation and this is this sort of enumeration this sort of classification is the only way to classify things i don't think that's true and i don't think he's presenting it to be that way he's just making it very very understandable and logical in one way and there are many instances in this book where you could say well you could look at that in a different way and it could be practiced in a different way etc but uh, you won't find any text out there that's as widely useful and um, you know just of all encompassing thank you bonte welcome Thank you. Aurora, can you read 115? Uh, yes. As regards the immaterial states as object, space, space need not be extended since it is mere removal of the casino materiality. But that should be brought to mind only as the disappearance of the casino materiality. If he extends it, nothing further happens. And consciousness need not be extended since it is a state consisting in an individual essence and it is not possible to extend a state consisting in an individual essence. The disappearance of consciousness need not be extended since it is mere non-existence of consciousness, and the base consisting of neither perception nor non-perception as object need not be extended since it too is a state consisting in an individual's essence. Thank you. Dar, can you read 116? Uh, yes. The rest need not be extended because they have no sign, for it is the counterpart sign that would be extendable and the object of the recollection of the Buddha, etc., is not a counterpart sign. Uh, consequently, there is no need for extension here. This is as the extension and non-extension. Six, as to object. Of these 40 meditation subjects, 22 have counterpart signs as object, that is to say, the 10 casinas, the 10 kinds of foulness, mindfulness of breathing, and mindfulness occupied with the body. The rest do not have counterpart signs as object. Then twelve have states consisting in individual essences as object, that is to say, eight of the ten recollections, except mindfulness of breathing and mindfulness occupied with the body, the perception of repulsiveness in nutriment, the defining of the elements, the base consisting of boundless consciousness, and the base consisting of neither perception nor non-perception. And 22 have counterpart signs as object. That is to say, the 10 casinas, the 10 kinds of foulness, 
mindfulness of breathing, and mindfulness occupied with the body, while the remaining six have not-so-classifiable objects. Then eight have mobile objects in the early stage, though the counterpart is stationary. That is to say, the festering, the bleeding, the worm-infested, mindfulness of breathing, the water casino, the fire casino, the air casino, and in the case of the light casino, the object consisting of a circle of sunlight, etc. The rest have immobile objects. This is as to object. As to plane, here the twelve, namely the ten kinds of foulness, mindfulness occupied with the body, and perception of repulsiveness in nutriment, do not occur among deities. These twelve and mindfulness of breathing do not occur in the Brahma world but none except the four immaterial states occur in the immaterial becoming. All occur among human beings. This is as to plan. As to apprehending, here the exposition should be understood according to the seen, the touched, and the heard. He Herein, these 19, that is to say, nine casinas omitting the air casino and the 10 kinds of foulness must be apprehended by the scene. The meaning is that in the early stage, their sign must be apprehended by constantly looking with the eye. In the case of mindfulness occupied with the body, the five parts ending with skin must be apprehended by the scene and the rest by the herd. So, it, uh, so its objects must be objects must be apprehended by the seen and the heard mindfulness of breathing must be apprehended by the touched uh, the air casino by the seen and the touched the remaining 18 by the herd the divine abiding of equanimity and the four immaterial states are not apprehendable by a beginner but the remaining 35 are this uh, is to as to apprehending Thank you. MP, can you read 120? 120? Uh, yes, please. As to condition, of these imitation subjects, nine casinos omitting the space casino are conditioned for the immaterial states. The ten casinos are conditions for the kind of direct knowledge. Three divine abidings are conditions for the fourth abiding, divine abiding. Each lower immaterial state is a condition for each higher one. The base consisting of neither perception nor non-perception is a condition for the attainment of cessation. All are conditions for the living in bliss, for insight, and for the fortunate kind of becoming. This is as to condition. As to suitability to temperament, here the exposition should be understood according to what is suitable to the temperaments. That is to say, first the ten kinds of foulness and mindfulness occupied with the body are eleven meditation subjects suitable for one of greedy temperament. The four di divine abidings and four color casinas are eight suitable for one of hating temperament.
Mindfulness of breathing is one. Recollection as a meditation subject suitable for one of deluded temperament and for one of speculative temperament. The first six recollections are suitable for one of faithful temperament. Mindfulness of death, the recollection of peace, the defining of the four elements, and the perception of repulsiveness and nutriment are four suitable for one of intelligent temperament. The remaining casinas and the immaterial states are suitable for all kinds of temperament. And any one of the casinas should be limited for one of speculative temperament and measureless for one of deluded temperament. This is how the exposition should be understood here as to suitability to temperament. It's a very important paragraph. You might want to bookmark that, copy it or whatever, because uh, as far as Samatha goes, it's, um, I mean, you might not agree with it, but if you understand where he's coming from, it's very useful to uh, figure out which one is most suitable for a certain individual. It's interesting, mindfulness of breathing is you know, the one that everyone picks out as useful for everyone, but he doesn't agree here. Mindfulness of breathing is not recommended for everyone. The casinas are actually, seems to be, the Visuddhimagga goes the way of practicing the casinas. Of course, this is part of this big controversy because the Buddha was pretty clear that mindfulness of breathing is a great thing and uh, was quick to recommend it. So, again, maybe I have to take this with a little bit of a grain of salt, but uh, I think there's something to it that the casinas are just easy. That's why I put them in that kid's video, because they're something that's just very easy for anyone. You know, you don't have to be any specific type of person, right? Is that what it is, the casinas? Now, which are the casinas? Right, the color casinas are only useful for the hating temperament. Well, that's interesting. Uh, so the earth casino would be useful for anyone. It's funny that the color casinos are not considered. I think the color casinos might be problematic, you could say. It's interesting. Anyway, I don't know. So there you see, I'm I'm even skeptical about some of the things here. But it's an interesting paragraph, I think. Uh, good to remember and to come back and see which of them is for what sort of person. Anyway. I thought Vipassana was suitable for everyone, but I, is, is it not? Suitable for everyone? Uh, you have to look up my video on, I've probably done more than one, on the character types. In I'm sure I've done videos on it. Uh, Vipassana character types. Because the four, the answer is the four Satipatthana are suitable for everyone. But you, different character types should focus on a different one of the four Satipatthana. Now, the four Satipatthana aren't in here, which should give you a be a dead giveaway that this is no longer talking about uh, actual Buddhist training. It's in a sort of Buddhist training that is uh, auxiliary. So we're not actually progressing on the path, we're preparing in a sense. So we're practicing these 40 types of meditation for the most part just to prepare us to have strong concentration so that we can easily take on the practice of insight meditation. Again, this is all uh, optional. You don't have to go this way. And that's one of the, it's funny, kind of funny how he, he goes, spends so much time talking about this. And then uh, he says, oh, by the way, you could have just practiced mindfulness of the four elements. 
and gone straight to vipassana. Basically, what he's implying in in the third section. Bhante, how does his what he refers to as mindfulness occupied with the body? How is that different than the first type of satipatthana? That's actually a meditation specifically mentioned by the Buddha, and it's an interesting name because it simply refers to foulness of the body, the the thirty two parts of the body. Mindfulness occupied with the body. As a as a term, refers specifically to mindfulness of the thirty-two parts of the body: the hair, the the hair on the head, the hair on the body, uh, the nails, the teeth, and skin, flesh, and so on. Okay, there thank you. A, I remember a story about a monk uh, becoming or had gotten enlightened just by looking at a woman's teeth and realized it was just ugly bones yeah it it doesn't actually say in the text that she looked at his teeth i don't i don't know whether that's the commentary or just the tradition but the actual story is he saw her and she smiled or laughed but the laugh it just mentions a laugh and the laugh is what made him look up and when he looked up because he was so focused on mindfulness of of foulness um but that wasn't parts of the body. He was focused on dead bodies. So when he saw a body, he immediately thought of it in terms of, of a dead body. And it totally removed any attachment. Uh, and he was, was able to enter into jhana walking down the road. And from the jhanas, he was able to attain insight or something like that. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Bonte, what do you think? We um, have to Bonte, in, sorry. Bonte, in general, um, would uh, going on a jhana retreat really get into this kind of detail? The, I believe the Paok tradition gets into this much detail because they apparently follow the Visuddhimagga to a T. It means they go through all the training. And you have to remember at least one past life before they'll let you practice vipassana, something like that. That's what I've heard. A lot of the people who practice, like the Ajahn Cha group, um, Ajahn Man, that whole group, tends to be, and I don't think it's true of the, the great teachers in their tradition, but the modern guys tend to be very much against the Visuddhimagga from what I understand. Thank you. Bhante, what do you think? We have about two and a half pages left of this chapter, but we're also a little over on our time. Did you want to just finish it up and maybe have a little less time for Polly, or what would your preference be? I was going to go one more paragraph and finish, but we could just finish now and come back. I mean, we don't have to stop at the end of the, par the chapter next session, but I don't think we should try to finish the chapter. Sounds good. Sanka, can you read 122? Yeah, sure. All this has been stated in the form of direct opposition and complete suitability, but there is actually no profitable development that does not suppress greed, etc., and help faith, and so on. And this is said in, in the Meghiya Sutta, 
One should, in addition, develop these four things. Foulness should be developed for the purpose of abandoning greed. Loving kindness should be developed for the purpose of abandoning ill will. Mindfulness of breathing should be developed for the purpose of cutting, cutting off applied thought. Perception of uh, impermanence, impermanence should be cultivated for the purpose of eliminating the conceit. I am. Also in the Rahula Sutta, uh, in the passage beginning, Did we lose him? Sanka, can you the rest of it? Yeah, I, I lost my mind. Uh, the purpose of abandoning ill will, mindfulness of breathing should be developed for the purpose of cutting off applied thought. Perception of impermanence should be cultivated for the purpose of eliminating the conceit. I am. Also in the Rahula Sutta, in the passage beginning, uh, develop loving kindness Rahula. Seven meditation subjects are given for a single temperament. So instead of insisting on the mere letter, the intention should be sought in each instance. Uh, the, this is the ex explanate, explanatory exposition of meditation subject referred to by the words he should apprehend one meditation subject. Okay, let's stop there. A little over an hour. Uh, take a five-minute break and come back and do Polly. Thank you. <laughs>